You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I'm here to share with you interviews about biking experiences from bicyclists who have pedaled to amazing places within the United States. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore great destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these great adventures cyclists share, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, all right, on the show today, we have Dieter Drake. Hey, Dieter. Hey, Kathy, how are you? I'm really good. So, Dieter, I'm super excited to have you on the show this week because people who listen to this podcast are probably sick of me talking about um, an event that happens here in Iowa called RAGBRAI, and you are the new RAGBRAI director. Yes, I am. Here I am in Des Moines. Loving yeah, it. Every, so, day has been, every day has been an adventure so far, so very, really awesome. excited to be here. Congratulations on the new gig. Thank you. Yeah, how would you say things are progressing so far? Man, it's it's been going very well. So many people across the state and certainly the cycling community have, has really come together to make me feel welcome. And that is very, very nice. And uh, when, when they say Iowa nice, it's it's a real thing. And I try to explain this to other people around the country, uh, certainly in Colorado. It's a real thing. People oh. are really into this ride, yes, but they, they, they love, they're passionate about bicycling and they're passionate about Iowa. So right. uh, that's been that's been a real nice thing. Right. And it's hard to meet a crabby person when talking about bicycles. That's so true. You know what I mean? That's Everybody, so most people smile when they're on their bike and, you know, they love talking about bikes. So I'm hoping that that's what you're interacting with as well. Every day. Yeah, yeah. It's been really great. Yeah. Well, we are recording this at the end of January and we're lucky enough to have the route announced this past weekend. So I do want to talk about that. Uh, I think I'll wait till the end of the podcast when we talk a little bit more about RAGBRAI, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like a kickoff of biking season for a lot of people who do RAGBRAI. Once that annou- announcement happens, they know where they're going to be in July. And they already start thinking about like, oh, where am I going to camp? And how am I going to get my training miles in? And even though it's freezing cold and snowing outside, I think this is kind of like the kickoff. It sure is. I saw a whole lot of uh, cell phones out at the route announcement party as I as I announced the the different towns, the eight different towns. A lot of people on Priceline.com and Booking.com and probably booking with charters and things like that sure. as as, uh, as I was announcing it. So it's really exciting. It's an exciting time. January, yeah, it's it's the default start of the cycling season. I know there's a bunch of rides coming up this weekend and and uh, throughout the spring. So yeah, it develops into, as you know, it develops into one giant crescendo across Iowa in July. I'm excited for it as, I mean, everyone knows that, that listen to this podcast (laughs) because I talk about it all the time. But anyway, (laughs) well, you mentioned Colorado uh, when we first started talking. And so I'm assuming that you have taken residence in Colorado at some point in your life. Uh, I have, yes. And maybe- Kind of in Colorado, currently. yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the story. We ended up out there in 2016 for a business opportunity and a change of pace, really, more than anything else. We've been spent probably 15 years or so in upstate New York, um, and that's where my wife and I are from. But we decided upstate New York was was nice, but uh, we wanted to change, and we had an opportunity to actually follow our oldest son out to Colorado. Mm. So uh, that's what we did, and and uh, Colorado is just a wonderful place. It's different. It's definitely different than the Northeast. Definitely different than uh, than Iowa. But uh, we're we're very much looking forward to moving to Iowa here in the next year or so yeah. as a family. Yeah. Of course, Colorado. You know, you think of mountains. But what is the bicycling yes. like there? 
it's very nice. We actually, we see the mountains. We don't actually go <laughs> into the mountains oh. all that much. We, we live on the front range. So the, the mountain, the Rocky mountains kind of start maybe 10 miles to our West and we see them pretty much every day, which is a nice, it's a nice backdrop obviously to sunsets and things. Uh, but where we are in the, on the front range, it's very much a, a high desert. So we live just outside of Colorado Springs in a little area called Black Forest. And we go to go riding. We typically go, we go east. We go towards Kansas and Nebraska mm-hmm. and Iowa, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's rolling gravel. It's, it's some pavement, but mostly a lot of gravel roads and beautiful scenery. Oh, awesome. Any places come to mind, like favorite places to ride or a couple of cool places that you've been on your bike? Oh, sure. I've been around, I've been around a few places. Um, I, I do love the Northeast. The Northeast is a beautiful place to ride. I have not had the experience to, to ride in, in, uh, in Iowa yet, but, mm-hmm. uh, you talked about the weather. I'm watching the, the snow drip over my office window here. So I'm hoping <laughs> that's a sign of spring, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But I'm hoping to do that pretty soon. But I've, yeah, I've, Colorado is a beautiful place to ride a bike. Upstate New York, where I'm from, uh, Washington County, New York, which is where we started a uh, started event production back there back in 2004. That is, it's a very very nice place to ride a bike. Lots of road roads, rolling farmland, mm-hmm. and uh, low population density, and, and it, it's that's also a beautiful place to ride as well. Sure. And once you're, uh, we have the ice gone, and you can get your wheels down <laughs> here in Iowa. You know, you mentioned gravel. Uh, I'm sure that you know we have hundreds and thousands of miles of gravel here in Iowa. I, I am so very much looking forward to that. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk back in history before gravel and before rag bribe. You were a elite level cyclist. Is that true? Ooh, long time ago. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that world. Yeah. I started bicycle racing um, as a beginner, basically in 2000, I'm sorry, 1999 down in, in Greenville, South Carolina. I was hmm. working down there and Greenville, as you probably know, is, is uh, or you may or may not know, it's a, it's a mecca for bicycling. They've got a number of events and rides down there. So I started racing bicycles, um, not too far from my house, actually, at, mm. a, little, uh, at a, the Donaldson Center. Very, still very popular place to ride your bike. And they had, you know, upwards of 200 and 250 riders on a Tuesday night every week. So I, I would, I raced there. And then uh, we, we'd stop, my wife and I decided to move back up to, uh, to New York, where we're both from um, at that time. And in about 2001, I kind of moved through the ranks after, after that with some great leaders and mentors in that area that kind of helped me through that. And I, I was, I was probably 30 at that time. So I got into it late after, after having, you know, a couple of kids at that time, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I, uh, we had a little bit of time to, as you know, bicycling, bicycling training for a bicycle race takes quite a bit of time. So um, I had the time at that time to sneak out in the mornings and maybe in the evenings to go out and race, ride and race bicycles on the weekend. So yeah, I ended up, I ended up uh, doing fairly well at that level. And I raced through about 2000, 2010 or 11 mm-hmm. um, at, at, and eventually got to the elite level in, uh, in the upstate New York area. Yeah. Interesting. Like what is racing like at that level? I mean, are you like Tour de France where you're just no. ne- ne- never yeah. putting the brakes on? You're just going to go around the corner whether you're going oh, yeah. 20 There's or 30 miles yeah. an hour? I, I can never claim that I was ever even approaching a, a professional class rider and that, that's a different different class sure. entirely. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's bicycle racing is, is a, it takes a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of insanity, I think, to, uh, to kind of <laughs> take those turns at 35, 40 miles an hour yeah. with a little, little little bit of pavement under you it's it, i raised i was fortunate fortunate enough to race some criterium races um at that level down in new york city and also out in uh in new york it's uh it's a it's really a different world it's very very competitive obviously mm-hmm. um kind of cutthroat and, and racing 
racing bicycles downhill at 50, 60 miles an hour is, is not for everybody, obviously. Yeah. And I got, I got to the point where I wanted to get up and work on Monday. I, did, I saw some of the crashes that I didn't want to be part of, you know, as, as a, as a father, I didn't want to, didn't want to have to do that any longer. So when I got to about age 38, 39, that was kind of late for me, obviously I decided uh, yeah, that was enough bicycle racing. I want to go out and enjoy yeah. riding bicycles with my kids <laughs> rather than crashing on a corner somewhere. Right, yep. right. Yep. So then you, um, at least from what I've read, you pretty much switched gears. So you went from, you know, attending yeah. races and being part of races to actually producing them yourself, which I think is such a cool uh, change of pace. Cycling event producer is what I keep seeing. And mm, you founded yep. a company, I think it's called Anthem Sports Tours. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it actually, a lot of that happened concurrently. I started, oh. uh, I was race. I was racing uh, through the 2000s. and about 2004, I decided I wanted to organize events as well. And yeah, we created a company called Anthem Sports in the Anthem Sports events at that time. And we, we started with a small little race in my, my hometown, well, not not my hometown, but the town that we ended up living in when we moved back to New York back in 90 or, um, sorry, 2001, a uh, little town called Cambridge, New York, population maybe 1,200 on the 4th mm-hmm. of July. It's a very, very small town, but we, we uh, started with an event called the, the Balloon Festival Classic right there. It was a bicycle race wrapped around a balloon festival, a long-standing balloon festival, and that was that was a lot of fun and and um, and exciting. And uh, it w- it added a different a different flavor to bicycle racing at that time, mm-hmm. where a lot of a lot of bicycle races and the, I think this probably still happens. A lot of bicycle races kind of happen in the middle in the middle of nowhere where there's no there's no festival or anything like that. And I, I thought maybe it's probably a good idea to kind of bring those things together to bring more, more engagement, certainly local engagement, but uh, more families to bicycling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the mission back in 2004. And, and uh, that did well for a couple of years. Actually, the next year we started an event called the tour. Actually, at that time it was called the Bat and Killed Roubaix. And, uh, and that, that's the event that kind of took off and ended up being what launched our company soon after. So okay. it's, uh, yeah, so that happened. Yeah through uh through the 2000s and then uh that was another contributing factor for me not wanting to race bicycles anymore that that actually took over our lives it was uh, a fairly large fairly large endeavor yeah and when you mention you know your tiny town uh, how do you get people to come race there when you know they <laughs> probably don't even know where it is on a map yeah a lot of a lot of sales and a lot of marketing and a lot of uh just engagement mm-hmm. um and, and places where people ride bicycles and we Cambridge, New York is probably three hours north of New York City. It's uh, about the same west of Boston, about two hours south of Montreal, and Philadelphia is about four or five hours away. So we are situated in a really, really great spot. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned before, Washington County and Cambridge is is um, is one of the world's greatest places to ride a bicycle. There's no question about it. The number of roads, paved roads, and also gravel roads in that area um, when you contrast that with the population density, it's, it's, you know, sometimes you, you would never see cars on a, on a training ride and go for two or three hours. You never see anybody, oh, nice. uh, but the landscape is just beautiful. So we were situated in a great spot. Um, and I think at that time, again, it was, it was very lucky on our part that we were, we got it at the right time where people, Lance Armstrong was coming up through the Tour de France and, and psych bicycle racing was really taking off at that mm-hmm. time. And people were looking to, um, to do something interesting. And there were more people riding bicycles, at, uh, racing bicycles at that time. And, uh, we just, you know, we got very, very lucky and very fortunate to be able to be in the right spot at the right time for all of that. 
Um, but we had, you know, I, I, I had a passion for it. Like I mentioned, bringing, bringing people, not just bicyclists, but people to bicycling to see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe they'll try it in the future. Um, that kind of thing. So that was, that was kind of the mission to kind of get people to be interested in the sport. Maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't ride bicycles, but maybe they would, or maybe they would support bicycling, mm-hmm. um, just by the fact of having a, a big, big bicycle race in a small town. It, it, uh, again, we were very fortunate to be where we were at the time. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. And it sounds like at some point you moved from competitive to non-competitive events. Right. How did that transition happen? Right. So, um, through the early 2010s, the Tour of the Baton Kill and other, we ended up producing on, at one point probably 20 events a year through, the, say, 2014. And uh, through that time period, the Tour of the Baton Kill grew very, very large, ended up being the largest sanctioned bicycle race in U.S. history, amateur oh, wow. race. We had about 3,400 racers from, uh, we had 47 states and 20-some-odd countries represented. And that included a, a international men's professional race a couple of years as well. So that happened, and uh, again, 2012 or 13 kind of hit, and, and the whole Lance Armstrong thing kind of uh, put a damper on a lot of bicycling. And, and the demographic, not just that, and I don't mean to throw Lance under the bus, but the demographic changed. Um, and I think there, at that time, there were more, uh, there was more interest in non-competitive bicycling events like Ragbri, honestly, but on the smaller scale, all, all over the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, we saw the racing community crowd shrink a little bit, and we thought, okay, we, we need to... Uh, start embracing more people um, that just own a bicycle. They don't want a race bicycle. They might be too intimidated about doing that. So we switched over a little bit and there were a couple of transition years where we had both. We had for the Tour of the Baton and other events, we had racing and, and just riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then we eventually switched over completely to just uh, amateur bicycle rides, really mostly non-competitive kind of rides, recreational Grand Fondo type events at about 2015 or 16. And that's where we've been ever since. And uh, two rides that I uh, noticed was uh, Tour of the Catskills right. and Tour of the Battenkill. Um, right. Do those still exist? Yes, they do. The Tour yeah. of the Battenkill, like I mentioned, was is ended up being the largest race in the, in the history of the U.S. And uh, that switched over completely to a, a mass start, Grand Fondo style gravel. It's it's about 25-30% gravel on that. And uh, yeah, so that's still going. And, and they're uh, I've handed that off, but if they're they're looking at their 16th 16th annual coming up in uh, in May, uh, just the day before Mother's Day. So it's on May 9th. The registration apparently is up for that, so we're excited to hear that. And then yeah. also the tour, the, the tour of the Catskills is another it's much smaller event, but that again that was another race that switched over to be more of a Grand Fondo style ride in about 2016 or so, and that's still ongoing as well in in uh, in August in upstate New York as well. Okay. And yep. you uh, mentioned you do other uh, events or you take people. Name a couple of amazing places you've taken your clients. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So we yeah, before Ragbri, um, I started a company um, called Anthem Sports Tours, more of a division of Anthem Sports, obviously. But we started, my wife and I decided uh, we wanted to uh, explore the world a little bit and kind of capture the beauty of bicycling around the world. So in southern Chile was one of the places that we said, oh, this seems like a really great place to ride a bicycle. And also the tourism infrastructure was improving every year down there. We were 
we were intrigued by that. So my, my father and I actually went on kind of a recon trip down there in 2015. He's a retired Spanish teacher, so that helped quite a bit. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't remember too much of my Spanish from, from high school. So I said, Dad, you got to come down and help me out with this. I don't want to get stuck in the airport somewhere not knowing how to call a taxi kind of thing. So he came down. He was really nice. And uh, we spent about a week driving around southern Chile and discovered very quickly that that's just an absolutely fabulous place to visit. So we've been going down there principally for the last, uh, well, since 2015. We took our first tour down there in 16 and uh, just this past winter, we went down for a week as well. And it, it's, um, that's by far the most fabulous place, um, to ride a bicycle, um, I, that I've experienced outside of the U S it's just, it's just absolutely, the people are very warm. The, the scenery is incredible and, um, it's not as, not as hilly as people think it's, it's more rolling terrain along the Andes mountains. And again, very much like Iowa and very much like upstate New York. And it's, uh, but the people all speak Spanish. That's really the only difference. So we're, that's, that's, that's for sure. That's the, that's the most, uh, exotic place that I've ridden a bicycle, although I have been to a couple other places, but we're, we're, we're pretty much set on Southern Chile these days. Mm-hmm. And the photographs I've seen um, oh, right. back mm-hmm. up exactly what you said. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, ugh, amazing scenery. It is very beautiful. Again, another very fortunate to be able to go do that once a year, once or twice a year. It's, it's a great place to ride a bicycle. Sure. So when you talk about your um, touring company, give us a little idea of what that's about. Like how big are your tours okay. or where do you go or okay. are they yep. multi-day, I'm assuming? Yeah, they're all multi- multi-day. Um, they go from basically lake to lake along the lakes region in southern Chile, again, mm. at the base of the Andes and, and way south, just north of Patagonia. So Patagonia is where kind of, there's no more roads. We're just north of there in the lakes region. And uh, we go from hotel to hotel that are situated along the lakes, the volcanic lakes along the uh, the base of the Andes. And um, we kind of see the scenery in between. And uh, there's a couple of opportunities to climb up a volcano if you want, either via car or you can ride up actually one of them further south that we end up uh, on on the Friday each year of the tour. It's just a, it's just a fabulous place. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, very, the small, uh, you talked about the size maybe six or eight people max so very very small very intimate and and we get to be able to experience that that culture which um, a lot of people embrace after going there once it's really a great place to ride a bike and, and see people and meet and uh, and see the see the scenery oh yeah and it's a yeah. great excuse for you to get to go multiple times that, oh, can you, yeah yeah exactly right so i get to sneak down there once a year so it's it's a lot of fun A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any event. With over 18 years of experience, this team can do it all. Find out more at thirstypigs.com. Well, speaking of tours, let's talk about Ragbri. All right. First of all, what's your take on, like, what is Ragbri to you? It's America's greatest bicycle ride. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, that needs to be a tagline somewhere. I'm trying to talk our marketing people to kind of <laughs> embrace that. There you go. It is. It really is that. And, and, and I think what happens sometimes with people, and I, I've been this way too with my my events, you kind of forget how great of an impact. And not that my events were as nearly as impactful as, as Ragbri. Mm-hmm. But man, this is one of those events and one of those rides where indescribable. The impact that it has, not only locally with the towns and with the bicycling community here, shops started, all, all of that. Um, but outside of Iowa, people don't realize people inside of, of Iowa may not realize the impact that, that this ride has on the bicycling community worldwide. Mm-hmm. So it, it it means that to me. It's America's greatest bicycle ride. It's it's um, it's about small towns. It's about 
apple pies. It's about beer. It's about having fun on bicycles and being a little silly for a week. But it's um, it's really it's really an amazing ride that uh, I've never been I've never been a part of anything like it. So mm-hmm. every every day is an adventure, and it's and it's been just fabulous. Yeah, it's once in a lifetime opportunity that you get to do every year if you want, where you're yeah. only objective of the day is to get on your bike and ride like you, you don't have to worry about anything else like it's that's know, exactly right as yeah. a registered rider your your gears transferred for you they have yeah. a campground for you all you have to do is wake up have a little caffeine or something ride your bike right. all day and then camp and then do it again the next day it's just it again, an amazing yeah. experience so. seven or eight days in a row it's just it's just amazing yeah you, you captured it exactly yeah, yeah yeah and for those who don't know um, basically it's a seven-day bike ride that starts on the west side of iowa and ends up on the east side of iowa and each year the route is different which is another exciting part about you know i mentioned that the route was just announced so you know some tours or it's the same thing every year which is great you know then you have you know what you're expecting but this one is amazing because it's different every year but yet it's still the small town iowa hospitality so exactly how many people attend ragbri for the last probably the last dozen or 12 13 years it's it's been 10,000 or more officially each day um, uh, th- those are the week long riders. And mm-hmm. then, uh, as you probably know, we've get, we, we do one day passes as well. So there have been, there've been times where, um, we've had an excess of 10,000 on the road at, at any given time, which I don't think there are too many events it's time seven days, you know, it's, it's, I don't think there are too many rides around the U S that can approach that. It's, 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 um, just a mass of humanity and bicycles enjoying Iowa. It is amazing. And there's um, minimal, you know, vehicle traffic. So it's not like people are who have never seen it are like, what? How do you get 10,000 right. bikes from one place to the next? But, you know, you, you have 40 to 70 or even up to 100 miles to do it. So everyone gets right. pretty spread out. You've got your people who are trying to go as fast as possible. And then you've got your people who take all 12 hours to get to, you know, the destination. Sure. Yeah. And each, each town is, it's kind of a, an organic kind of a rolling start, as you know. So people start as, as they, as they get done with their coffee or their breakfast in town, whatever town they're in. And then just, they follow the prescribed route and the bunch of festivities along the way, obviously. And then we have some meeting towns and pass through towns that we go through and each one of those are festivals in and of themselves. And mm-hmm. then we get to get to the end town 40, 60, 80 miles later and we do, you know, have fun all over again from six to ten o'clock at night, if you want. It's just there's nothing that nothing that compares to Ragbri. Yeah, and this year will be so. This is a forty eighth year for Correct. this yep. event, so definitely mm-hmm. I would call it a tradition. I mean, people. Mm-hmm. I think they're, um, I think they're here to stay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can riders expect this year? Well, we've got a great route, as you mentioned. We announced that this past Saturday, and, and uh, really eight towns across Iowa from the west, starting in Lamar's, mm-hmm. and we end up at the Mississippi River, as we always do, at the Mississippi River in a little town called uh, Clinton this year. Mm-hmm. And Clinton's Clinton, both towns, the bookends of this ride are, are just fabulous places. Both have wonderful people, and they're very, very, very engaged and very excited to be on the route this year. 
Um, I know, for example, Lamar's is the ice cream capital of the world. So there really wasn't that hard for me to select Lamar's. I'm an ice cream (laughs) fan. So I think it was pretty much a no brainer when when I decided to take this role on and then uh, and then starting to design design the route back in December with the help of a bunch of people. And I looked at Lamar's and ended up driving through there not long ago with my son on a recon. And Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw ice cream cones all over town. I said, boy, there's no way we cannot go here. I said to my son. So so that's where we ended up. And then. Uh, you know, seven days later, we're going to end up in um, in a little town called Clinton, right on the Mississippi, and they've revitalized their their waterfront. They've got a great new uh, new waterfront with docks and and uh, uh, kind of a levee. It's it's really a beautiful beautiful place to end the ride, and mm-hmm. uh, and so many of the other great towns. I can name them, but I can some of the other towns in between are just going to be fabulous stops each day. Oh yeah, and uh, obviously you've only been in your vehicle on the route so far because of you know the weather, and right. it's only right. January right now. But any ideas on elevation? Like, is it going to be a hilly route or is it going to be a, do you know yet? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it's, uh, well, I know it's about 420 miles. And uh, I think, as I remember, it's probably about 11,000 feet or just over 10, between 10 and 11,000 feet total climbing. So over that pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, over that eight days. So it's, it's, uh, no, single epic climbing day. Uh, The longest, longest day is going to be the, uh, Waterloo to Anamosa day, and that's a, that's an 85 mile day, and that that will that will include the optional Karis Loop. It's another 15 or so miles to get you over 100 miles to make it a, a century for that day. So mm-hmm. we, that's that's a tradition with Iowa, with uh, Ragbri. Mm-hmm. So yeah, about yeah about uh, 12,000 uh, about 11,000 feet of climbing or so. I'm looking at it right now. So. Okay, so over the course of many days, that's that doesn't sound too bad. I I think no, I can yeah. handle that. Yeah, yeah. You'll have a tailwind, as I understand it, west-east <laughs> in, in Iowa. The wind's blowing that direction, so uh, you'll, we'll have a little push. And again, there's 15, 10 or 15,000 other people out there to encourage you each day, so nobody gets left behind. Yeah, yeah. It, the wind always makes me laugh because, A, <laughs> it truly doesn't matter because you're out there no matter what. You know, like if you have right. a headwind or a tailwind, but it always seems to be a little bit of a headwind, no matter <laughs> okay. what time of year or what day it is. Right. I mean, right. Maybe that's just a, a mind game that I'm working through. <laughs> yeah, you just need you need to act like a bicycle racer in those situations. Oh, geez, duck, yeah. duck behind a bunch of people and, and let them break the wind for you. you yeah, know? yeah. Well, I always ride uh, self-contained, so that's probably oh, part good. of my problem, having 80 pounds of gear on my bike. Right, yes, yeah. for sure. A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any event. With over 18 years of experience, this team can do it all. Find out more at thirstypigs.com. Well, what would you say, you know, okay, so route's been announced, you have done your work figuring out which towns we'll be going to, but Mm -hmm. now what happens? Like, what goes into planning such a big event? Oh, it's funny you should mention that. Just last night, probably 10 o'clock at night, I finally finalized the uh, town meeting schedule. So Mm. there's just a series of probably 40, 50 meetings at each of these each of these towns um, that are participating, not only the, the overnight towns, and those are probably the most important, but there are meeting towns and other pass-through towns that we just happen to go through. Oh, sure, yeah. And there's lots of logistics involved with those folks. So, yeah, it's it's meetings and going to, to meet these people. Um, again, I before we announced the route, I had some some involvement directly with, with each of the town leaders, um, but I didn't want to tip my hand, obviously, and say, hey, we're definitely coming to whichever town. Right. Um, because it, it is an exciting thing to announce it as a surprise. So now now that it's it's all on the open, everybody knows, I've got to go meet with these folks and, and make sure that they're 
they're planning, they're developing their committees and, and uh, kind of making it a, a cohesive ride uh, and consistent across the state so we can so we can bring a level of um, excitement and, and enthusiasm to to those towns to make sure that uh, they're getting their bang for their buck as well. I mean, that's part of it, too. But, yeah, so that's the plan is to go you know, see these these towns and meet with the state patrol, for example. Care Ambulance has been a great supporter. Um, we're mm-hmm. meeting with them, uh, bring them involved and uh, and make sure that, um, again, everything's in place and ready to go for July. Mm-hmm. Any challenges that you think may pop up or you expect to pop up? Uh, some of the some of the towns and challenges are good things. I love challenges, but sure. um, some of the towns haven't done it for a number of years, and the people have changed since then. So that that could be a challenge. And in fact, I'm I'm sure it will be. Uh, some of the towns have done it as recently as four or five years ago. So I think they're they're doing a lot of copying and pasting from from that time. Um, so that's probably the challenge. Um, and again, I like challenges. So I think that would be a great opportunity to kind of uh, re-energize those particular those particular towns to be a part of this great. Great American bicycle ride. Sure. And, you know, something that maybe people don't think about as they're biking through these towns is that as we come through in our big swarm, we may be doubling or tripling the population of that town. Keep on going, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Even more. And so these Mm -hmm. towns have to go from one bar with five bar stools to. 5,000 people possibly going through and coming in and right. having a beer or the, the, uh, you know, a lot of people go to the post office to get uh, postcards right. or to get, you know, their uh, passport stamped. Mm-hmm. Um, just dealing yeah. with people, the volume yeah. of people is just kind of mind blowing or yeah. where does everybody go to the bathroom? Like you've right, got to have yeah. porta potties everywhere. I don't know. It's just, yeah, if you really it, sit and think about it, and this is from my perspective as a rider, you know, I know you are doing it. You have, you know, probably a big old binder that tells you with this volume of people, you need this many porta potties or something like yep, that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it can be overwhelming. And I can, that's, again, that's a challenge, I think, to make sure that people, uh, in those particular communities, uh, know what yeah. to expect, and uh, the the communication between us and them is done well in advance. So there's hopefully no mysteries by the time they get to yeah. ride day. Um, that's a really important thing. And again, that's that's very sim- sim- very similar to what I did back east in these tiny little tiny little town called Cambridge. We, you know, we put ten or fifteen thousand people through mm-hmm. that town um, in a day or two, and and that was that was overwhelming to a lot of people, you know, they just didn't, didn't know what to expect sometimes. So, um, that's, that's probably the biggest challenge, uh, is to get, get those smaller towns, um, kind of up to speed as to what we're doing. And then hopefully they can develop their local resource and infrastructure to, um, to be able to pull it off successfully and hopefully advertise their towns. Yeah. I mean, some of these, some of these small towns have some great local resources, and you know it's you know it's it's an op- it's an, it's an opportunity for uh, economic development obviously in those smaller little smaller towns if only for a day but it's also an opportunity to advertise some of the other resources and, and other events perhaps they have other times of the year so um, you know we're, we're kind of that's that's one of the missions one of the missions that I have for developing the relationships with those small towns is to get them to. Um, be able to advertise uh, what they what other resources they have in town, and maybe you know we're we're coming in a, on a day in July, but maybe there's a fall festival that they would uh, like some people to come back to. So we're hoping to engage those towns to kind of bring those resources to the forefront, so we can advertise them appropriately. Right, right. And you look at uh, you know the registered riders. Uh, right. Give us an idea of what they are getting for their week long rider fee. Right. So it's the camping you mentioned, and they get the ride support. So they get the luggage transfer, as you probably know, we've got a couple of semi-trailers that uh, we hold, haul all the luggage for all the registered 
uh, riders from town to town mm-hmm. each night. They, they get, um, so they get that and that's a big deal, obviously. So that things hopefully, and as I understand it, have shown up on time every time. Oh yeah. Well, oil, <laughs> so, well oiled machine. Well yeah. oiled machine. Yeah. <laughs> we, met, we met with our, uh, some crew members from last year, a couple of days ago, and, and they were describing some of the details and some of that. I was just blown away, blown away by the logistics and the level of work that they had mm-hmm. to uh, exert to pull all that off, but mm-hmm. they pull it off 48 mm-hmm. This will be 48 years in a row. Yeah. Um, so they get that. They get the ride support, obviously, on the road. We, we get the support of the state patrol this year uh, again. And uh, those those folks have been tremendous. And they'll, they'll usher us through the more critical intersections on the ride. Obviously, EMS support, that's a really important thing. I hate to mention yes. it, but it's a really important important piece in this to make sure nobody's um, left stranded uh, with injuries and things like that. So so we've got the support of Carry ambulance again, which is really a great a great thing, great asset to the ride, obviously. And they do a lot of local transports as they're needed and, and treating treating the, uh, the road rash and things like that that invariably happen invariably happens with uh, with bicycle rides. Mm-hmm. So there's that. They get to, obviously the wristband gets you into all the free concerts every single night, and we're looking at some pretty darn good bands this year again. Not least of which is uh, the band that we're hoping to get in in Lamar's for the Rag Bri Expo the first night. And I can't tell you who it is, oh. but we're looking at doing a big one. Ah. So. And that'll be a lot of fun. We're gonna I'm gonna spill that on Lamar's here this week and see what their thoughts are because it's really it's really their town. We want to make sure we're doing the right thing as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that. They get uh, again all the all the all the craziness in between too. It's just uh, it, it's a great ride, and everybody gets to um, enjoy the camaraderie of ten or fifteen thousand other cyclists out in the road at any given time. So yeah. yeah, and if you're not that you would ever be super super fast or super super slow, but something that uh, I always think about, there are literally route markers like every quarter mile or even less sometimes that are telling you where to go and you you, sometimes you like have to think about like how did those signs get up on that pole like that's a whole different story there that's got to be a (laughs) full-time job for somebody in itself it is is we've got a a couple a handful of crew members and we i call it the crew it's the rag bride crew and it's 40 or 50 people that that help out with the ride every year. And some of them, have, some of them have been doing it for decades now. Um, but there is a crew, a part of the crew that does route marking and they're out at two, three in the morning, a day in advance, sometimes wow. making sure all those signs are out in the right spots. And, and sometimes they'll double back to make sure they haven't disappeared in the middle of the night or mm-hmm. got blown over. So it's just, that's an undertaking in and of itself. And so some of these people are, like I mentioned, have been doing this for decades Yeah, and uh, just, just fabulous warm people that just want this ride to be successful. Oh, yeah. Well, we should probably um, tell everybody about important dates, uh, mm-hmm. costs, etc. You know, just because I'm sure at this point, everyone's all pumped up to be part right, of the right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, the, obviously, we get a big spike in registration, which we're seeing now after the route. Everybody wants to know where the where the route is going. Mm-hmm. And we've got some great towns, like I mentioned. So, the route is kind of a sort of northwestish to southeastish sort of a route this year. Mm-hmm. So, that's exciting. Um, so the important date's obviously April first, and it's no joke. We uh, we closed the lottery for the uh, uh, week long passes, so mm-hmm. that's that's your opportunity to, to get in on the on the week long passes that include all the luggage transfer and all that other stuff that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's a hundred that's one hundred seventy five dollars. So that's exciting. Um, like, which I think, boy, coming in, that's a that's a great price point for a bicycle ride that lasts seven days. Yeah. I mean, there aren't too many rides that that are. We, again, we're really committed to keeping that, so I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That's mm-hmm. that seems seems to be a good spot for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we want more. Again, the, the goal there is to get more people on bikes in Iowa. Period. So that's where we're going to stick there for a while. And then I believe it's May first is the one day passes. I think those close out. So yeah, very exciting to uh, 
to uh, announce those dates, obviously. And those are traditional dates. There's nothing new. So April yeah. 1st is, is the date that uh, we close out the uh, the uh, week-long passes. Okay. So everybody has until April 1st to get their registration into RAGBRAI. And what is the website for RAGBRAI? It is ragbrai.com, R-A-G-B-R-A-I.com. Easy enough. And how about your uh, touring company? Do you have any contact information for that? Oh, sure. The principal one is, is cyclechile.com. Yeah. Cool. And that's fun. Good. Yep. Well, Dieter, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I'm looking forward to uh, an eventful and exciting July. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about bikes and ride well, that's it for this week. It was great talking to Dieter and learning a bit more about how RAGBRAI works. If by chance you plan to ride RAGBRAI, shoot me a message. I have a fun opportunity for you. For now, if you have a moment, please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the Morphology Podcast. Also, check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info. You can also email me your topic ideas at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Joel Osteen. If you want to be happy, you have to be happy on purpose. When you wake up, you can't just wait to see what kind of day you'll have. You decide what kind of day you'll have. Think about it. Mm-hmm.